Well, we just we just got back from vacation. Actually, we went to the Smoky Mountains. Nice. Yeah, wonderful place here in Tennessee. I, I love the Smokies. It's one of my favorite places to go. It's beautiful. I don't know. How, I know you're originally from Knoxville. Mm-hmm. I'm originally from Knoxville too, but you spent much more time in Knoxville than I did. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I actually I had this conversation with somebody somewhat recently because we were talking about like Dollywood and other things in East Tennessee. Yeah. And they asked me, they were like, oh, you grew up over there. What is it like? And I said, I have a completely different opinion. Right. Because it's not a vacation to me. It's right. like a like a weekend or a day trip. And it's like, I like it, but I like it differently than people who are like, let's spend a week in Gatlinburg. I was like, I don't like spending six hours in Gatlinburg. I'd rather do other things. There are so many other things to do, especially like even in Sevier County. Yeah, Pigeon Forge is just a, a money pit. You're not wrong. It's just a place where, have you ever wanted to throw money in a big hole and just watch it disappear? Then that's Pigeon Forge. If you if that is something that you think you would enjoy, uh, you could find us at they didn't ask us pod.com. <laughs> Reach out to us there. <laughs> Put your money to a better use, right? <laughs> Give it to us. We'll we'll do something. We'll do something with it and put it towards the show. How about that? Probably. Get, be- get better equipment, you know, that kind of thing. No, it's just funny because it, it's such a tourist destination, which, you know, we've we've been there enough times. You have to go do all the tu- tourist things. But once you've done it, you've done it. And so you don't really have to worry about it anymore. Except there are a few things that stand out to me that it's like, why is this a thing? In Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, for example, John, oh, you have an you have an example. I can tell the Titanic Museum. <laughs> Why is there a Titanic Museum in Pigeon Forge in Sevierville, Tennessee? Okay, so I don't know about the location, but I'm going to absolutely defend the Titanic Museum, uh, even though it. I want to say it opened, and I was either in high school or I had already moved over here. Um, so I've, I've never actually been to the Titanic Museum, so I'm defending it solely on reputation. As to why it's in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, landlocked Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. Yes. I don't know. Right. I would assume it's, it's something similar to, like you said, it's a money pit. It's a tourist destination. They figure people are going to be here. But the thing that I've heard about the Titanic Museum that is so cool is they have so much titanic memorabilia is the wrong word but it's not the most wrong word that you can go various times and the exhibits will always be changing interesting you will never see the same like 100 percent of the same museum twice interesting so that aspect of it i will absolutely defend okay well that's that's an interesting i didn't i didn't realize that yeah, but as I just, to why it's in the mountains of East Tennessee, who knows? I just laugh when I'm walking around Gatlinburg and there's a girl with a sweatshirt that says Titanic across the front and she's running into everybody and it's just that oh very unfortunate. Did it say like HMS Titanic swim team? Because that would be really See, funny. that would be even better. <laughs> <laughs> that one I would laugh at, and I would say, that's an awesome sweatshirt. I want to go get one. 
<laughs> do you feel like that's it? How, I almost said, do you feel like that's insensitive? It is. I'm aware of that. How insensitive do you think that is, though? It's because an it's event. Not... It happened. Yeah. Was it tragic? Of course it oh, was. Yeah, absolutely. But it was something that happened a long time ago. I Come mean, on. comedy is tragic plus time, right? So... It's true. You know how to tell a good comedian from a bad comedian, right? Timing. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird! It's a plane! Nope. No, no, no. No superheroes here. Just Jay and John. Welcome to the nerdiest podcast you'll ever hear. They didn't ask us. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of They Didn't Ask Us. I am Jay, and with me, of course, is my co-host, John. We are so happy to have you back, and we are ready for this episode. This is going to be a fun one. This is one for the kids, so keep the kids in the room. They can listen, and then they can go watch the movie as well, because it's a very family-friendly movie. Uh, Coco, 2017. Pixar animation. Uh, you can now watch it on Disney Plus, and I'm sure there's other various platforms, Amazon, and such. I'd imagine it's available for rent through like Redbox Google and the, and the Apple Store. I mean, R.I.P. Redbox. You do know that they have an app, right? I mean, yeah. In the can, same way, Netflix used to be a, d- a DVD delivery service, and you can just stream the movies straight from the Redbox app. But it's it's not the same. It's I, like I know. going like. Did you ever go to the Redbox website to see which kiosk had the movie? You yeah, wanted? and then you had to go hunt it down. Oh my gosh, race the against days. the clock because someone could get to it before you. Yeah, oh, and those then were you, the days. And then eventually they got to the point where you could reserve it. Ooh, and then you could put in a code and pick it Ooh. up. Ooh, yeah, man, twenty fourteen was a wild year. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Well, John, we movies didn't really release last year, did they? Uh, or they did, kind of, but it was like usually streaming or straight to something. Or we had the Oscars recently. Maybe you knew that. Maybe you didn't. I I feel like I found out about the Oscars recently, but then I thought about looking at the nominees, and I was like, I didn't see any of them anyway. I don't care. Yeah, and you're not the only one because ratings for the Oscars dropped by the last figure I saw was 67%. Or roughly two-thirds for you people with math (laughs) fractions. So yes, nobody nobody watched the Oscars nor the movies that were nominated. So, you know, it it just, it kind of makes sense for that. Um, It also kind of makes me wonder if people are just kind of tired of the celebrity scene as well you know we've had um what's his name what's the comedian who's hosted a few times what what was his name or maybe it wasn't even the oscars maybe it was the golden globes man steve harvey needs to host everything anyway they've had that comedian on he's a uk guy was it ricky gervais again ricky gervais i thought he didn't start ricky gervais phase well he didn't he didn't host anymore he won't anymore because the last time he was up there i don't know if you saw it but he like man he destroyed them all he was like 
you have no business. Basically, he was like, you have no business being up here trying to tell people what to do because you guys have no idea what real life is even like. And I was like, whoa. For the most part, I would say he's not wrong. Every now and then oh, you no, get somebody like Chris he's... Pratt who like lived in a van down. Like He was Matt Foley except for the motivational speaker. Mm-hmm. He lived in a van and now he's a... I mean, now he's Chris Pratt. Yeah, so, no, I mean, there are definitely the the outliers of the people that worked really hard to get to where they are. But um, that's what they are, outliers. And, and right, that's, yeah. And, and they, they, and then even though some some of them, even though they've worked really hard to get where they are, they're so disconnected now from reality that they just, they, they have no idea. Uh, so tell me if you saw any of these movies. The Father... Judas and the Black Messiah. Oh, I almost saw that one. Mank. Nomadland. Promising Young Woman. Sound of Metal. The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Those yeah, were no. your those were nominated for Best Picture. So there you go. Yeah, I, I almost saw one of them and then didn't because it would have been our, our Tuesday night movie. And our Tuesday night movies are like fun and they take us away from the seriousness of life. And Judas and the Black Messiah would not have done that. Definitely. So we watched, uh, I want to say we watched like Clue instead. Really other end of the spectrum there. Well, let's move on to the news. House of the Dragon Game of Thrones prequel has officially begun production. I don't know who is excited about this, who's not excited about it. I am indifferent. I'm anxious about it because Game of Thrones started so well and ended so poorly that it just feels like a like a toss up as to how this is going to go. Yeah. I, I, HBO has been re-airing the entire series over the past few weeks and some of the comments on Instagram and Facebook have been like why would I put myself through that again? I'm not <laughs> like why are you showing this again? Yeah. <laughs> so, I think the Overall consensus is, don't waste your time. Just move on to something else. Well, I mean, yes and no, because there are certain um, episodes, certain moments that I feel like it's it's good to go back and rewatch, but I don't know that I've ever gone back and rewatched the entirety of a show start to finish, ever. Really? Oh, I've done it several times. Well... I'm the type of person, like, I'll just, oh, yeah, I remember this episode was really good, and I'll watch that episode. Mm. Like, I'll still be really, I'll still pick and choose. Well, speaking of Amelia Clark, the mother of dragons, she will be joining Marvel's Secret Invasion. Ooh, I don't know that I saw that. Yes, this was announced shortly after the finale of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yeah, that was a bit of a news dump after uh, after the finale released. Yes, there was. So she, she'll be joining. Um, I think at this point, I think most people are kind of assuming that she's going to be a scroll. They actually, I saw a clip, a gif, or jif, and uh, it was Amelia Clark changing from, like she's standing there dressed as the Mother of Dragons, and then she switches over and looks like a scroll. It was very fitting. I was like, yeah, okay. I yeah. could see it. What do you call it? I call it a gif. But I've heard I, somebody I also argue. Call it a GIF. I've heard somebody argue that it's actually pronounced jif. And I'm like, no, that's peanut butter. Well, my, my rebuttal when someone tries to call it jif 
is that the G stands for graphics. It doesn't stand for traffics. <laughs> so. Boom. Roasted. <laughs> just, just throwing it out there. You have a good point. I'm going to use that for now on. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. This has been a new release movie, new released movie here recently on HBO Max. And uh, I told John the other day I was going to watch it, started to, and said, nope, because it is so incredibly graphic and um, definitely earns its rated R rating. And um, I, I would, I, in fact, I wouldn't even be surprised if they end up releasing like a unrated version that's just ugh. But um, it has dominated the box office right now. But at the same time, nothing else is out. So I was you know, about to say that was go. that was really my thought: is what was its competition? And if you were Mortal Kombat's competition, would you fight it? <laughs> no. Get over here. <laughs> Fatality. Fate. Finish him. So the the kind of consensus I've seen amongst my friends who did see it is that the movie itself is bad. Oh, really? But for fans of of the IP of Mortal Kombat itself, it's very enjoyable. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, I I hear I've heard kind of mixed reviews. Uh, I think for the most part everybody has agreed that the fighting uh aspect of it is spot on and really good. Yeah, I haven't uh, heard anything about the story. I feel like it's really hard to do. Well, how um, do you how do you do that as a story? I mean, even as I'm a video saying. game, even as a video game, I mean, who really pays attention to the story in the video game? Me? Well, no, no, no. I mean, for Mortal Kombat, though. Oh, I was thinking about Injustice. Yeah, no, no, no. Which like ran that, off of the same engine. So yes, and, and that makes sense. You know, you, you know that has a good story. But Mortal Kombat, I mean, for the most part, you're just like, give me the character I want to fight. You know, you're not you're not going. I mean, well, that's. Hey, well, why? Why is Sub-Zero so cold? It's like Smash Brothers. I think it has a plot, but at the same... Like you're saying, Smash Brothers is always like, oh, yeah, me and my friends are... are Actually, now with the Switch, you don't even have to be in the same place. You just, we're going to no. play Smash Brothers. Yeah. Times have changed. I remember fighting over the good controller. And so Super Smash Brothers was one of those games that I really enjoyed playing multiplayer because... You didn't, it didn't divide the screen up into smaller screens. Yes. You still got to play on the big screen, and I really appreciated that. Who was your, uh, so I'm thinking, whenever I think of Super Smash Brothers, I think of, uh, Melee. Melee! Yes. Thank you. Who was your go-to character on Melee? Okay, so on Melee, my go-to character was actually Pikachu. Oh, you were one of those. I was, and I was very good at it. I believe that <laughs> Pikachu is the most infuriating character to go up against it. Like someone who knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I was a, I was just a troll of a person. So I was link. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to okay. defend that link. I mean, as much as I like the character in that one in particular, he was, he was powerful, but slow as Christmas. Yeah. I was never the best of my friend group, but I had a lot of fun. And that's what really counts, right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> uh. I, mm, 
Is that the one where they introduced Ganon? No, I think that was also in Melee. Because um, there You're was that about level. Slow as Christmas. That, that was the level that you could play. There was a level where you could play Ganon, Zelda, Link, and Young Link. Because I forgot Young Link was a character on that one too. Huh. And he was good because he was not as powerful as Adult Link, but he was fast. He was and he faster. had a smaller hitbox. Yes. Which is a big deal on games like that. But anyway, we could talk about this all night. We but could. We shouldn't, but we could. Wait, let's move on. Russell Crowe, have you seen oh, this no. news? He, ha- he has been revealed to be in Thor Love and Thunder, and he's going to be playing Zeus. Hmm. Hmm. Is right. Hmm. So, this question comes up in me when I read that. Do you think that we could possibly see Hercules in the MCU? I think we're trending that way. I think we are too. Because he was an Avenger at one point. He was a lot of things at one point. Like he, he was, was Avenger. A he was that's that's true. <laughs> I want to say that's one of Meg's favorite Disney movies. Probably because she is mentioned quite in the a, movie. Quite a lot actually. Yes. It's like she's one of the like four main characters or something. Possibly potentially we'll have to we'll have to sit on that see how see how that settles shang chi gets his first trailer yep and um so good the teen the the 10 rings do not make an appearance as far as we could tell but we did see like three of them on somebody's arm so that was cool i the thing that i'm most excited about shang chi is that i know absolutely nothing about it and I know very little. It's been a hot second since there has been a Marvel property release that I'm just like 100% ignorant of. So I get to go into this with a clean slate. That's fun. And that's it's very exciting. See, that's how it was with me and Guardians of the Galaxy. I really had no idea what what to expect. So that was fun. Even having no expectations, were you disappointed? In Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes. Oh, not at all. Excellent. Yeah. No, that was fun. That was one of those movies that I walked away from and I was like, I could watch that like 10 times just because it's v- just funny and entertaining. Not even so much that it's a really good movie because, I mean, on the scale, it's it's one of the lower ones, but it's enjoyable. All right. So this is something that this next little bit of news, we're, fi- we're wrapping up with DC news. First off, um, we are definitely going to be doing another Fandom episode because Fandom is coming back October 16th, 2021, and we are definitely going to be watching that and reporting on that. I'm so excited. But in the meantime, DC is making some really big changes. So we talked... Actually, I think it may have been around the time of fandom. We talked about how DC was going to be talking about the future state, which is where they were going to be changing their comics, like the mainline comics. They were going to be replacing the characters, the main characters with different people. And it was going to be the future. It was going to be several years in the future. And 
and these new people are t- have taken over the role of our favorite superheroes. And it was kind of their way of just saying, hey, we're moving on. You know, we're making this. It's not just like a, oh, hey, what if? It's a, yes, this is actually what's happening in the main source material. They canceled that, I think due to extreme backlash, which makes a lot of sense, especially because like what John and I had said, it's not so much that we don't want new people or more diverse people taking over the roles. It's that they were kind of forcing it and not letting it happen naturally, um, which is what John, our, John and I, I think, do you agree, John? That was our biggest complaint, if I can remember right. That sounds like something we would have agreed upon. Yeah. Well, the one thing they are changing is they're changing Superman. Superman is leaving. He is actually leaving Earth completely because his son, Jonathan Kent, has reached the age where he could take over the role as Superman. So he's going to be taking over the role of Superman now. And so going forward, starting... I think in the next few months, I think it was July, maybe he, it, the comic, the mainline comic is going to say Superman, son of Kal-El. Okay. And Superman is leaving earth because what he's decided is, Hey, I've been focusing so much on keeping earth safe that there's a lot of things that I could be doing out there in the universe. So he is actually putting a team of people together, and he is leaving Earth there. to go help other planets. Is his team going to have these little rings that they wear? Are they going to divide space into these, uh, What would you, what's a good word you could use? What's a word? Uh, uh, sectors? Oh. Oh. No. No, he's not going to create the Superman Green Lanterns. See, that would make sense, wouldn't it, John? It would. Now, is that something they could do eventually? Maybe. I mean, that'd be kind of cool, actually. A Superman lantern core. But it couldn't be green because kryptonite. Well, it'd be blue because hope. Hope. See, but blue is worthless without green. It can't really do anything. Canonically. I don't know. We'll have to see. Anyway, that is probably some of the biggest news I saw. And, well... I'm such a Superman fan that it just... There is one more bit of news. Oh, I did mentioned, I miss something? I mentioned that Marvel had a news dump after the Falcon and Winter Soldier finale. Well, do you want to do that now, or do you want to wait till after our review? Oh, that's such a great point, and it's a great <laughs> teaser into our next content. Jay, it's brilliant. It's time for that time, the wordy nerd of the day. Wordy nerd of the day. I don't know. There's Words. something I'm just doing to fill air time until <laughs> we say the nerdy word. Blah, blah, blah. All right. So it's um, the nerdy word today because John has used it several occasions. And I want to make sure that everybody knows what oh, we're talking no. about. The word, or yeah, it's a word. The word is gaming dev. Ah, uh, yeah. Which. You could figure out, but at the same time, if you really have no idea, you know, what we're talking about. You might think I was talking about Slumdog Millionaire star Dev Patel. Could. could. 
I mean, that's where my mind goes. I, I don't believe you. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so gaming dev, John, I'm going to give you the opportunity to defend yourself. What is a gaming dev? When I talk about a dev in relation to a game and video games, um, a dev is a developer. Typically, it's going to be, at least with most most of the games I play, it's going to be one of the AAA studios, which is the like Ubisoft, Bethesda, the, the Warner Brothers and Sony of video games. They're well-known, they have big budgets, and they create games. Sometimes they're franchises like Halo or Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty, and sometimes they're one-offs that I'm struggling to think of because I play mostly games in the um, so a dev is the, is the person or team, typically a team, uh, with the creative process, the actual machinations of building the game itself. And there you go. Ladies and gentlemen, gaming dev. Well done. Well done. Yes, sir. Yes. All right, moving on to the appetizer before the main event, before the main course. We have Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We have two episodes, two action-packed episodes that had a lot going on. The first episode is Truth, followed by One World, One People, and John being... A wonderful co-host is looking up a... Oh, oh, I have it ready. Oh, he has it ready. <laughs> so, the I, remember, I watched episode five, I think, Friday night when it came out. And Saturday morning, I remember talking to Meg. I was like, Meg, have you watched this yet? Have you watched this yet? And she was like, no, I haven't. And I was like, do you want me to tell you how it starts? Because I love the way it starts. And she goes, No. I want to watch it. (laughs) And I was like, but you're going to love the way it starts. And she goes, then I'll watch it. And the reason I love the way it starts so much. So episode four ends. John Walker has killed a member of the Flag Smashers with the Captain America shield. He has brutally bludgeoned him to death. So episode five picks up. John Walker is on the run and he's cornered in a warehouse by Bucky and Sam. And they beat the crap out of him. Eventually, eventually, like it, it takes it takes a little bit. But there's yes. a there's a back and they forth. They end up so before they before they end up beating him, um, Walker rips the wings off of Sam's wingsuit, which is not what you want when you're called the Falcon. And then they break his arm and they steal the shield back and they run away. So the actual plot synopsis. After using Captain America's shield to kill one of the Flag Smashers in public, John Walker flees but is pursued by Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes. Wilson demands that Walker hand over the shield, but he refuses. Shocking. In the ensuing fight, Walker destroys Wilson's wingsuit, but Wilson and Barnes take the shield from him, breaking his arm in the process. Wilson then leaves his damaged wingsuit with Joaquin Torres and asks him to continue looking for the Flag Smashers. Barnes finds Helmut Zemo at a memorial in Sokovia and hands him over to the Dora Milaje. Meanwhile, 
Walker receives an other-than-honorable discharge and is stripped of his role as Captain America. Afterward, Walker is approached by Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. Big, big news there. Say that five times fast. Uh, that, 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 that. Um, he's approached by the Contessa, who tells him that taking the serum and killing the Flag Smasher was the right thing to do, and that she will contact him in the future. Walker later visits the family of Lamar Hoskins, and tells them that the man he killed is the one who killed Hoskins. Sam returns to Baltimore to visit Isaiah Bradley, who discusses his past as a black super soldier and how he was imprisoned after rescuing fellow soldiers who had also been experimented on, before stating that a black man will never be allowed to become Captain America, nor should one want to. Sam then returns home to Louisiana and helps his sister Sarah fix the family boat, with assistance from several locals as well as Bucky, who delivers a briefcase from the Wakandans to Sam. Sam and Bucky train with the shield and agree to move on from their pasts and work together. Meanwhile, the Flag Smashers plan an attack on a Global Repatriation Council, or GRC for short, conference in New York City. They're joined by Georges Batroc, who claims to want to kill Sam, and was released from prison by Sharon Carter. When Torres contacts Sam and tells him that the Flag Smasher signals have been detected in New York City, Sam realizes what is about to happen and, deciding to intervene, opens the briefcase. In a mid credit scene, John Walker is seen building a new shield from scrap metal and his medals of honor. Now I can take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John. That was perfect. That was... Where did you find that? Wikipedia. Oh, well, there you go. Thank you, Wikipedia. <laughs> Crowdsourced. It's perfect. That, that was excellent. Now we don't even have to go through and summarize the whole show. We can just talk about it. Yeah. That was great. We need to start doing that for movies. I don't, some movie plots are really long and convoluted. That's true. Inception. I still... I don't, I don't know the last the time prestige. I saw Inception. Oh, the prestige. You know, I never saw the, speaking of the prestige, I never saw the illusionist. Yeah, I didn't either. Didn't it come out the same year? There's a, there's a really weird phenomenon of that happening. So do you remember, um, oh, what was the first one of this called? You remember those movies where Gerard Butler's a secret service agent and he has to protect. Yes. Yes. So there's that. It was a, like, Angel has fallen or like White House. Like, anyway, there's Angel has fallen, which is with Gerard Butler. And then around the same time, there was this movie called White House Down. Yes. With star Channing Tatum. I remember this. And there's kind of a, if you, if you go back further, there's like uh what is it? It's the towering Inferno is one and the Poseidon, I think it's the Poseidon adventure is another one. When they're like these movies that are similar enough, they come out roughly around the same time, and it's just very interesting. And the the Prestige and the Illusionist is a, is a pairing like that. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> um, this episode was good, and I enjoyed it, except for everything okay. else about it. I loved. Okay. Including the Rocky training montage was also really good it was cheesy but i enjoyed it every every good action thing needs a montage yes 
And I liked the briefcase opening, and that's where it ended. Oh, I enjoyed so that, good. too. It was so Great good. cliffhanger. Take these broken wings. And build yourself a new falcon suit. And I also really enjoyed that Bucky took care of his last name on the list. Himself. Of course, we don't find that out till later. But he, you know, he has... I like that scene where he comes up to Zemo, and he has the gun pulls the trigger there's nothing in it he took out all the bullets and zemo has like i don't know he kind of looks at him and definitely has a lot of respect for him i feel like that's what it felt like to me you know and he was like all right you really are changed like you're a good man bucky i feel like in the back of his mind though he had that man i really wish he had just killed me (laughs) Except, you know, Zemo, he's a schemer, and he's going to keep scheming, and he's got some bigger things up his up his sleeve. There's, I mean, there's he's better. That coat is massive. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what they needed to do, is take his coat away and shake yeah. it out. All See, his all plans would have fallen out. All the plans out. that come out, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, not those. <laughs> you want to buy some plans? <laughs> Uh, what do you want to talk about the positive things that you liked before I name the negative things? Um, I think we could lead with the negatives, actually. The show itself, I think, is strong enough we can lead with the negatives. Okay, fair enough. Very opening scene, actually. They're fighting, and Sam is fighting a, not just a super soldier, but a super soldier who is, like beyond the strength of a normal super soldier. And then you have Bucky, who is also a super soldier and very strong. I don't think he's as strong as John, but he's he's up there. And I just don't understand how Sam is even able to do anything in that fight. I mean, I know that he has his, his wings and he... I don't even know if it was this episode and he like, they like go down into the ground, you know, so that he's able to like hold himself, you know, so that he doesn't get punched through a wall. I think that was the finale. Okay. But you don't see anything like that. And I'm like, how is this guy even like when he's hitting him, how is he even doing anything to him? So that bothered me. I was like, this is... I mean, I know it's a superhero movie and, you know, yeah, superheroes are going to do superhero things. But I was like, he would not be able to hold his own in this fight. He should have, like, immediately, he would, he in real life, he immediately would have been like, yeah, Bucky, you got this. Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do anything except fly. Well, I think what he, what he learns to do, and I think he really starts doing it in this fight specifically is he utilizes the jetpack as a weapon. He did do that, you're right. So it, he definitely, like, there's a learning curve, and he realizes that because the whole show, he's been fighting super soldiers between the Flag Smashers and now Walker. So he's realizing, like, oh, you know, the things I've been doing aren't going to work. And, I mean, the most important thing in that fight, to me, is Bucky's arm. Because... I mean, it's theoretic, except for the failsafe, right, where they can just pop off. It's theoretically invulnerable because yeah. it's a vibranium arm 
So you think Vibranium Arm versus Vibranium Shield, the arm wins. It's more versatile. So, like, if, if they were arm wrestling, which would be a hilarious deleted scene, <laughs> where it's like John Walker and Bucky sit down and are like, all right, we're going to arm wrestle for the shield, but we have to go left-handed, the, Bucky would win. That I feel like that thing has theoretically infinite strength, and I really want that scene to exist now. I just thought about it for the first time. <laughs> I need that. That would be fun. And then he breaks his arm and they take the shield. See, it's the same result. <laughs> right. They get to the same place. They just get there differently. <laughs> Doesn't change the story at all. Not at all. No. It's in a... fact, his arm still ends up in a sling. Yeah. We need to. <laughs> who do we need to call? Kev, Kevin Feige, come here. Get get Kev. Me and Kev. We go back. Oh man. Yeah. But yeah. So that that first fight scene to me, I was just I. I guess I don't know why it bothered me so much, but I was just thinking, Sam. What are you even doing? Oh, like you're you're not gonna Oh Sam baby, what are you doing? I asked that of the cat, the neighbor cat next door. I was like, "Stormy, what are you doing?" And she was like, "Cat things." And yes. she she's just the neighbor cat. She does what she wants. I really enjoyed um when they were fixing the boat. <laughs> yeah. And they talked about like like Bucky talked about how his arm would be so much better if it was on his dominant side. <laughs> He was like, well, why don't you use your arm? He goes, because I'm, I'm, I'm right-handed, Sam. And it's like, yeah. oh, uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. He's like, I don't think about it immediately because I'm right-handed. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, going to put a watch on? Because are you, are you right-handed as well? Yeah, I am. Okay, so I am, as, I am too. And I would wear, if I wore a watch, I would wear it on my left wrist. Right. And presumably... Bucky would as well. So could you imagine like waking up in the morning and putting your like getting your watch and going to put it on your metal arm and you're like, oh yeah, that's that doesn't really look right. Yeah, and then you look at it and you're like, maybe they could just install a watch. Oh, that would be so cool. Yeah. Then you wouldn't even have to to put on the watch. You just I'm, constantly have a clock on your wrist. I'm sure Bucky has Shuri on speed dial. You should probably rate this I don't know. I don't know if we can really rate this episode because this one and the next one really kind of go together. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the things that you liked or do you want to just move on into the next episode? Because you said you liked the montage. I like the montage. It worked, though. It did. Because montages, are, they can be like really cheesy and kind of over the top. And this one, like, it's not over the top, but it's like at the top. And it's self-aware enough to know, like, this is a montage. He's throwing the shield, he, which he did a pretty good job. It's bouncing all over the place. Him and, like, basically him and Bucky are just <laughs> playing Frisbee. And Bucky's just catching the shield. He's like, yep, no, I can I can do this all day, which is a Captain <laughs> America throw. Yeah, we can move on. Let's move on to the next one. Okay. Hold on just a second. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, Sarah just got home. and Hi, Sarah. She, she decided to spit the gum in the trash can. Steps on the little lever to open the top and goes, and it shoots and lands on top, like right on the lid of the trash can. <laughs> that is a, that is my favorite um, song from Fiddler on the Roof. Precision. Uh, that's something I haven't watched in a really long time. Seventh grade chorus was the only time that I ever watched Fiddler on the Roof. 
Yeah, I've only, I think, it's definitely, I think high school was the last time. No, that wasn't that long ago, right, Jay? Yes, go ahead with the summary. All right. Wearing a new Captain America uniform and flight suit from the Wakandans, Sam Wilson flies to New York to save the Global Repatriation Council, again, or GRC for short, from the Flag Smasher's attack with the help of Bucky Barnes and Sharon Carter. While Sam is fighting Georges Batroc, that's just, it's so fun. It's so <laughs> fun. Uh, the Flag Smashers take senators as hostages into vehicles. Carly Morgenthau sets one of the vehicles on fire to keep Bucky busy rescuing them, but John Walker joins the fight to stop her. Sharon separates Carly from the others and confronts her for betraying her, revealing that Sharon is the power broker. Batroc threatens to expose Sharon, but she kills him. Sam comes to reason with Carly, but when she points a gun at him, Sharon kills her. Sam emerges from the building carrying Carly's body. During a press conference, he convinces the GRC to postpone the vote to force relocation of the displaced people that Carly died fighting for and instead make efforts to help them. The remaining serum-enhanced Flag Smashers are captured, but they are blown up by Baron Zemo's butler while en route to prison. The Contessa gives Walker a new suit and asks him to become a U.S. agent for tasks where they cannot use Captain America. Bucky makes, makes amends by telling Yori Nakajima that he killed his son when he was the Winter Soldier. Sam takes Isaiah Bradley and his son. I thought it was grandson. I thought it was grandson, too. So I think this plot summary is wrong. Fix yourself, Wikipedia. Sam takes Isaiah Bradley and his grandson, Eli, to the Captain America Museum where he has a memorial dedicated to Isaiah Bradley. In the mid credit scene, Sharon receives a pardon from the United States government and is reinstated to her former position in the CIA. After leaving the hearing, she makes a phone call, telling the person on the other side to tell their buyers they now have full access to government secrets. So I actually... Things that make you go, hmm. 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 I actually watched this episode on lunch at work so i came back in from lunch i told the the girls at work and i I told them i was going to watch it on lunch and i came back in they were like don't tell us anything and i was like can i tell you one thing and they were like no and i was like okay so it's not a spoiler at all but sam's costume is incredible and they were like oh yeah no that's not a spoiler you can tell us that yes it looks and honestly For me, that was, like, the main focus of this show was his costume. Like, I couldn't get over it the entire time. Every time he was on screen, I was like, this thing is awesome. I like it so much because I think what they're starting to do as far as, like, this, maybe with this new phase that they're, uh, I don't know what phase we're on now. Four? Five? Four, technically. Okay. So whatever phase is about to start up or is really about to to get going, I think what they're trying to do is is they're trying to make not only the characters more comic book accurate as far as their costumes, but also they're calling them by their name, like their actual superhero name because that's one thing that like in in the what's happened before is like the costumes like for a while there, the costumes weren't really costumes. They were more just like uniforms. 
And now I feel like they're looking more like superhero costumes would. And so I feel like they're just trying to get more to that. And it really kind of started with Spider-Man, I feel. With with which Spider-Man? With the Tom Holland Spider-Man. Well, I mean, which, which of Tom Holland's costumes? Oh, the second one. The Iron Spider? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, that's such a great suit. So they're, I think they're just, they're trying to go, they're trying to, they're saying, I think, I think that might be one thing that fans have kind of said is they're like, man, I wish that they actually had like costumes instead of just these like, hey, it sort of kind of looks like Scarlet Witch costume or, you know, whatever. It kind of sort of looks like Hawkeye's costume. Like they're going full out. Yeah. I'm honestly, I'm in for that. Me too. I it has me very intrigued as to you mentioned you mentioned Hawkeye specifically. It has me very interested in the costuming of the Hawkeye show because I mean there's a, there is a certain costume that comes to mind for me with Hawkeye. And there's also a certain costume that comes to mind for Kate Bishop. Yeah. So it's I feel like it's going to be similar to that costume arc if you will. Um for Sam in this show is how long until we get to that point. And I know one of the one of the fears of Falcon and the Winter Soldier was that you know the show is going to end and the last shot was going to be like him opening the case, like how episode oh, yeah. 5 ended. People right. were really afraid like, "Oh man, we're not actually going to get to see the suit do anything." And that's like all you see for the first half of this episode. Yeah. Because the first half I I love this episode. First of all, and I love that it's it's really two episodes. It has the first half where everything hits the fan, and it has the second half when you see the fallout and the consequence, the results of everything that's happened. And I feel like that gives you it, it gives more closure than WandaVision did because WandaVision ended, and it was still a lot of like, what? So what? What happens with all of these other people? Go ahead. Well, I sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It just I it made me think, you know, with with WandaVision, the the series like it actually said on the final episode it said series finale. This one does not. It At does all. not say series finale. Yeah. But it feels like a series finale. It would if they had tied up the loose ends differently. So, my my thought on that is a series finale kind of ends it in the sense of like WandaVision. I don't know which of those characters we're going to see next because we're going to see Wanda in Doctor Strange, but is Darcy back in Love and Thunder? Does Jimmy come back in Ant-Man 3? Are they making Ant-Man 3? These are questions we need answered. <laughs> um, but this one, it, it definitely, you know, they're not going to give Walker a new costume at the end of the show and then never use him for anything again. They're not going to change the title of the show at the end to Captain America and the Winter Soldier and then never use them in anything again. They're not going to continue Sharon's turn to big bad villain and then just let her walk out into her untold riches. And they don't. Because the news I was going to say earlier is, like, the day the finale dropped, they announced Captain America 4. And I feel like it has to be. I don't, I will say, I don't think Walker is in it. 
That's my early take controversial stance. I don't think John Walker is in it, but I do think Sharon's the villain. I think that that was setting up for Secret Invasion. That I think be. she's a scroll. I don't think she is. You don't think so? No. I think that she acted as if she got snapped, and she used the snap to fade into the shadow and really become the power broker. Hmm. So Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the way I understand it, takes place six months after Endgame. So everything has been back for six months, and she would not have been able to do all of that in six months. She would not be able to build that level of infrastructure that quickly. And I don't, I just, I don't think so. Hmm. I think she still has enough memories of who they were before, and she knows them well enough. So what do you think all the weapons and stuff she was talking about at the end, what do you think that's for? Money. The power broker. Oh, just money. Yeah, the I think she's, gotcha. the power broker is a glorified arms dealer. Right. So it's just setting up for her to be more successful. Yes. Basically. Yes. Okay. In the, in the same sense where Captain America, the Winter Soldier, the movie, was largely a political thriller masquerading as a comic book movie, I, have, I could see Cap 4 largely going more that way, where the villain is almost like a... Do you remember the James Bond movie Tomorrow Never Dies? Who is the villain? Uh, Jonathan Price. Yes, I do remember oh. that. But I could see it being... So Tomorrow Never Dies, the villain was... His his goal was information. Yeah. So he was a television mogul in China. And I could see, I could see Cap 4 going that direction, where Sharon is the villain, and instead of trying to drop bombs or start wars she's trying to release information hmm okay almost a edward snowden type of villain essentially yeah the other theory i saw and why i'm full-on saying i don't think walker is a member of the of the cast of cat 4 is he might become a member of the west coast avengers which is not a team I'm very familiar with, but it's it's separate. Oh, see, I was leaning more towards, do you think he'll be a part of the Thunderbolts? Until, I'm going to wait and see how She-Hulk settles, because She-Hulk is supposed to be bringing in the Abomination, and I love me some Tim Roth. So please let that be true. But as they bring in more villains, maybe. Hmm. Because that would be a, a big reason why Zemo ends up on the raft, and for context, the raft is the hyper impenetrable prison where Team Cap is taken at the end of Civil War. Why why Zemo is taken there and not Wakanda, which is where I thought he would be. I thought so, too. So I think the Thunderbolts can absolutely happen. I hope for it happens. For those who don't know, the Thunderbolts is basically, I mean, it's basically Marvel's like Suicide Squad it's not as overt, though, I don't think, because Suicide no, Squad is pretty not. on the nose. Yes. <laughs> Thunderbolt's yes. a little bit more subtle. Like, you all know why you're here, but we're not going to, like, I, I don't know. Do they put chips in them? Like, we'll kill you. We don't care. No. I guess they got a little more trust. Or it's poor, It's it's probably more likely that they just, they're holding something over their head, like, hey, you better be doing what we want you to do, or we'll... Whatever. But yeah, so I don't know. West Coast Avengers, though, I hadn't heard. 
about that. That's not a team I'm even familiar with. I think it's just one of those, honest. like, we have so many superheroes, we want to put them on teams. Yeah. Because the article I was reading said Hawkeye was the leader of that. And I was like, I don't feel like Clint Barton would work with John Walker. Because don't get me wrong, the Ronan story arc is going to enlighten on some of his mistakes. But I don't. I have a hard time seeing him as leading a team. Yeah, me too. Like, he's a great team player. Definitely. But he's not necessarily, like, team captain. So, yes. So, it ends, and we get the new title. They definitely are setting up some stuff to come on down the pipe later. And uh, I saw this uh, meme that was really funny with, um, it was uh, Michael Fessbender. It's, do you know what I'm talking I, about, John? I haven't seen this meme, but I can already picture it. And it says it's got um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, as, you know, title. And then he he says, "No, I want the I want the real title." And then it goes to the next one, and it says Captain America and the Winter Soldier. And he goes, "No, I said the real title." And it's Captain America and the White Wolf. He's like, "That's better." That's actually not what I was thinking of. I was thinking it was going to be based off of the suit. And I was like, "Show me Captain America," and it's Walker. And it's like, oh, "No, show me the real Captain America." Too. And it's Walker getting discharged. And it's like, no, the real Captain America. And it's Sam from the finale. That'd be a good one, too. That's yeah. that's the meme. Because I knew the template. I just didn't know the application. That is an argument that I read online with, um, you know, everybody said, well, the Falcon got the Winter Soldier, or the Falcon got Captain America. Why don't they do, um, why didn't they change Bucky's name? from the winter soldier i think it's more just like he's just fully accepted who he is type of thing and he's not ashamed of it anymore yeah but even after because again bucky is a is a character that i love so he's a character that i know some about i'm not gonna sit here and say i'm omniscient even even after his rehabilitation if you will when he works for the heroes for the good guys he still goes by the moniker of the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Because that's who he's... like. It, in When they're in Madripoor, they said, you have to be the Winter Soldier. Because that is it. the Winter Soldier is a known commodity. The White Wolf might be respected in Wakanda, but he is unknown elsewhere. Mm-hmm. The Winter Soldier is legendary. So I could see him, now that he's reclaimed and he's come to peace with his past, he's reclaimed that identity... I could see him not embracing it, but kind of like using it to his advantage. Being like, you know who I am, right? I'm not that person, but I have those skills. I have a very particular set of skills. They make me a nightmare for people like you. Mainly because I have a metal arm. I was about to say left-handed arm wrestling. I'm a nightmare for people like you. (laughs) Second reference of that in the pot. Let's go. (laughs) Any dislikes from this episode? Ah, let me pull this up. Um, I've only got one thing that really sticks out to me. I think, I think we all knew Sharon was the power broker. Um, the way I've been talking to my friends about it is in a show where there are like six characters, it's very limited who can be who, but it just, it still felt so lazy. 
it was like yeah there there are enough people who figured it out from the madripoor episode i was like oh she mysteriously appeared right when they needed her she's the power broker and it's a pretty logical conclusion to get to i don't know i thought it was one thing i did note and it's really small but when bucky gets to the grc compound in new york and he goes past the police barricade which i thought that in itself was very interesting they pull the barricade back and they go sergeant barnes so he's never been discharged or is that part of his pardon, you think? Where he reclaimed his rank? I could see it more of that. Where he he was dis he was pardoned. They forgave him for his crimes because he was not himself. And then they probably gave him his rank back in the US military. So I think seeing him as like a functioning member of society is really cool. I also Another criticism, they went from, so Sam, Bucky, and Walker went from beating the tar out of each other to, hey guys, let's team up real quick. Yeah, that was weird. Real quick. Yeah, they did a complete 180 very fast. Yeah. And even to the point where, like, as Bucky and John walked away at one point, they were, like, like picking on each other. Like, hey, buddy. Don't call me buddy, pal. Don't call me pal, friend. Like that type of... Yeah. Yeah. So that that was weird. I... Uh, the Walker character ends in such a weird spot. Because it's like, I want to hate him, but I don't. Like, I, I, just, I just feel sorry for him, man. Like, I don't know that he asked for any of this. Obviously, he didn't decline it. No. But it's not like he woke up 18 years old enlisting in the military being like, I'm going to be Captain America one day. I don't think that's necessarily what he did. But in the short span of the plot of this show, he becomes a global icon, which leads to immense stress. Ask any celebrity ever. Um, his best friend works with him and then gets murdered in front of his face. He takes a body and mind-altering drug that he didn't really understand, and then everything fell apart. So it's like he's had a very tragic arc, but he was set up to be maybe not the villain, but definitely an antagonist of the show. I thought they were doing a good job of showing that he was going to be the villain. And then for them to work together, it was kind of like, well, wait a minute. Why are they working with the villain? Yeah. I thought we were supposed to dislike him. So that was a little confusing. And I could see why people complained about it so much. It was just very abrupt. It'd be one thing yeah. if they had like if they had built that mutual trust and been like, I don't like you, you don't like me, but we both don't like them. They just kind of like all get to the same place and start doing the same thing. Let's rate them. Okay. No. Series as a whole. <sighs> Series as a whole. I'm going to give it a nine and a half. And the only reason it doesn't get a 10 is that I want more and they could have given us more. I am going to give the series as a whole, a eight out of 10 um, because I feel that it kind of felt like they were going a certain direction. And then like it very, it changed very quickly to go the opposite direction and i didn't like that yeah so i'm gonna give it an eight 
out of 10. Overall, I, I really enjoyed it. I definitely liked it better than WandaVision. Honestly, I think WandaVision is one of the greatest winners of Falcon and the Winter Soldier because it managed to come out first. Yes. Originally, if, if 2020 happens normally and it doesn't you know become itself, then Buck- Falcon and the Winter Soldier comes out first. It it's it would set a much higher bar than WandaVision would have been able to reach. Yes, definitely. But yeah, I uh, I did enjoy it though. It was um, it was good, and Sam's costume at the end was fantastic and definitely worth waiting for. I mean, we knew we we kind of knew going into it that he was going to end up being Captain America at the end, mm-hmm. and so to see him turn into Captain America was a lot of fun. Yeah. One thing that I do want to uh I do want to leave us with is the prospect that we get two new heroes out of this show. That's right. So in um the fifth episode, after Walker destroys his wingsuit, Sam leaves the remnants of it with Joaquin Torres, and in the twenty fifteen Captain America run where Sam becomes Captain America Torres becomes Falcon and you know in the show Torres has this kind of interest in you know how does the how does the the wingsuit work how can we improve it what can we do to make it better so I could definitely see him tinkering with it to the point of like one day he he just shows up somewhere and he's like hey Sam guess what I did and he has the suit and the second one is Eli Bradley Isaiah's grandson he is a character known as Patriot. So he's essentially a, a younger super soldier. He's a member of the Young Avengers, which is a team we are rumored, rumored to be getting sometime vaguely in the future. They've introduced enough characters and they're going to introduce more that that series could happen. You have someone like Kate Bishop and uh, Miss, Miss Marvel. And now you have Patriot who all exist, but they don't necessarily have origin yet. So that's potential that we have to look out for. Well, there you go. Tell us what you think. We want to hear your thoughts and opinions on the show and on, um, well, not just not our show. I mean, you can tell us what you think about our show too, but tell us what you think about Captain America and the Winter Soldier and what your thoughts were on it. Did you enjoy it? Did you think there could have been some stuff that changed? But you can reach us. You can email us directly if you want to talk to us that way. They didn't ask us at gmail.com is one of the best ways to get in touch with us. You can also reach us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash they didn't ask us. That is a great tool to catch up with what we've been up to what we're doing uh if you follow us on facebook then you also would have seen what we were going to be talking about this week so it's worth it to get on there and see all that plus we like to post we'll post stories news stories news articles that we see uh based on the entertainment that we love uh or rumors um trailers that kind of thing so check us out on there you can follow us on instagram at they didn't ask us and you can also join us on our website, they didn't ask us pod.com. There you can listen to all of our latest episodes. 
You can read our little bios to see what we're all about. And then, of course, there are little comment cards down at the bottom that you can fill out and send to us, and we would love to hear from you. But those are all different ways that you can reach us. I hope you will. And now, on to the main event, Coco, Pixar, 2017. This was a very different direction than what Pixar has done in the past. And also, they did a good job. This was also... I don't, I don't know... I can't really say for sure if it was the first time, but they started branching out and looking at different cultures and making movies about different cultures, um, Pixar anyway. And um, they did a really good job with this movie. This is a not only just beautiful visually, the colors are stunning in this movie, but um, the story is very precious and sweet as well. Definitely a tearjerker if you're anyone who, who cares dearly about their family. And um, I think John is looking up a, a summary. I, I have the Coco Wikipedia page pulled up, but you piqued my interest when you said that they started making movies about like specifying into cultures. And I think that would have started with Brave. Brave, yes. I could, yeah. You're right. And then, so Coco was 2017. I can't place when Moana came out. And it's not Pixar, oh. actually. Moana, I think, is just Disney. It's not. Yeah, it's just Disney animation. So, I I think that's definitely right. And that's one thing. Um, so, I saw Coco for the first time last week. And that was one of the reasons I wanted to watch it. I was like, I've heard exclusively good things. And it is, you know, a glimpse into a culture that I don't understand. So from that sense, I appreciate it, even if, again, I don't understand it. And that's okay. Are you, are you ready for the Wikipedia plot synopsis of Coco? Aye, aye, Captain. In Santa Cecilia, Mexico, Miguel dreams of becoming a musician, even though his family strictly forbids it. His great-great-grandmother, named Imelda, was married to a man who left her and their daughter Coco to pursue a career in music, and when he never returned, Imelda banished music from her family's life. Miguel now lives with the elderly Coco and their family, including Miguel's parents and his abuelita. He idolizes Ernesto de la Cruz and secretly teaches himself to play guitar from Ernesto's old films. On the Day of the Dead, Miguel accidentally damages the picture frame that holds a photo of Coco with her mother on the family ofrenda. I'm butch my Spanish pronunciation is terrible, by the way. So <laughs> please feel free to reach out and tell me how bad my Spanish. Um, discovering that a hidden section of the photograph shows his great great grandfather father holding Ernesto's famous guitar. Concluding that Ernesto is his great great grandfather. Miguel ignores his family's objections, so he leaves to enter a talent show. Breaking into Ernesto's mausoleum, Miguel takes his guitar to use in the show, but once he strums it, he becomes invisible to everyone in the village plaza. He can, however, interact with his skeletal dead relatives who are visiting from the land of the dead for the holiday. Taking him back with them, they learn that Imelda cannot visit since Miguel accidentally removed her photo from the ofrenda. Miguel discovers that he is cursed for stealing from the dead, 
and he must return to the land of the living before sunrise, or he will become one of the dead forever. To return to the land of the living, he must re receive a blessing from a member of his family. Imelda offers Miguel a blessing on the condition that he end his dream of becoming a musician. But Miguel refuses and resolves to seek Ernesto's blessing instead. He meets Hector, who declares that he knows Ernesto, offering to help him reach Ernesto in return for Miguel taking his photo back with him so that he might visit his daughter before she forgets him. Um, and for context, when someone is completely forgotten, they leave the land of the dead. They fade into obscurity, and it's very sad. Hector, in that scene where we actually get to see that eventually in one of the scenes, and they call it the second death, because that's when the last person has the last memory, which is... Really heavy for a children's film. It is, and it's a real, you know, like... Oh, where was I? I lost my place. Um, Hector helps Miguel enter a talent competition to win entry into Ernesto's mansion, where Ernesto welcomes him as his descendant, but Hector confronts them, again imploring Miguel to take his photo to the land of the living. Ernesto and Hector renew an argument from their partnership in life, and Miguel realizes that when Hector decided to leave the duo to return to his family, Ernesto poisoned him and then stole his guitar along with his songs, passing them off as his own to become famous. To protect his legacy, Ernesto seizes the photo and has his security guards throw Miguel and Hector into a C-note pit? I don't know this word. Um, it's a link to something, so a C-note is a natural pit or sinkhole resulting from the collapse of limestone bedrock that exposes groundwater. Uh, the regional term is specifically associated with the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico. Context. Fun fact. Yeah, fun fact. There, in the sinkhole... The more you know. Right? Let's get that get that <laughs> gif going. I mean, gif. I mean, gif. Uh, uh, in the sinkhole, Miguel realizes that Hector is actually his great-great-grandfather, and that Coco is Hector's daughter. After Imelda and the family rescue the duo... Miguel reveals the truth about Hector's death. Imelda and Hector reconcile, and the family infiltrates Ernesto's concert to retrieve Hector's photo. In the chaos, however, Hector's photograph is lost. As the sun rises, Coco's life and memory are fading. Imelda and Hector bless Miguel so that he can return to the land of the living. After Miguel plays Remember Me, Coco brightens and sings along with Miguel. She reveals that she had saved the torn-off piece of the family photo with Hector's face on it, then tells her family stories about her father, thus saving his memory, as well as his existence in the land of the dead. That's all, folks. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again. <laughs> you know, the, the, the Day of the Dead, which is the, the celebration, I can't remember what it's called in Spanish. Um, I, I want to I want to say it's like Dia de los Muertos or something, but I don't. Yes, that's it. That's I'm not it. confident. You nailed it, John. It, it's a very interesting holiday to begin with. I, I, I've, I don't know how much research you've done into it, but, you know, they um, they throw out the um, I think it's poppies, the, the petals, uh, and they throw out the, the poppy petals to and it creates a they believe it creates like a bridge from the afterlife to this life. And so their relatives are able to come back and visit. But they, like, a, like we said, they believe in two deaths. You have the first death when you pass on 
from this world to the next. And then the second death is the last time that somebody remembers who you are, remembers your name. Or I think it might be specifically the last time somebody says your name. And then after that, you're you're no longer there. So I, I don't know. It's a very interesting culture thing. And I, and I love it, though, because it's it's got so much art and... It is so bright and colorful, and it's not scary. You know, I think here in the U.S., you know, we think of Halloween, and it's horror, and it's scary, and it's, you know, the dead coming back to life. Oh, no. But there it's, you know. um, It's a celebration. It's a celebration of your heritage, uh, which I really appreciate a lot, uh, because I know that's something that I don't really know what to say about the movie exactly. It's... uh, I do love the um, spirit guide. Oh, my gosh. Dante. The silly little dog. <laughs> the dog where his tongue gets wrapped around his nose and stuff. So the, the dog the dog is a very interesting character because it is the only, like, Dante is the only character that bridges both worlds without dying. Yes. Because, I mean, Miguel, I mean, he does it too, but he kind of dies a little, I don't know, kind of He maybe. starts to. But Dante, he just kind of shows up. He's like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm doing my thing. What are you, what are you gonna do about it?" And he's a goofball. He's a street dog with a tongue too big for his mouth. <laughs> I love it. And in the, in the, um, they go and meet. Um, oh, I gotta look it up. Hold on. Uh, Frida Kahlo. Yes, they go and see Frida, who's a famous artist. She's like, "Oh, your, sp- your spirit animal, or your spirit spirit guide." Oh, your spirit guide. And of course, Miguel's like, my spirit guide? No, he's not. This this Dante. We're pals. He's just Dante. Like, he's not a, he's not some wise animal. (laughs) And um, so that was really funny. That was like a, a running joke through the whole movie. But then, of course, at the end, he ends up having all the different colors all over him. Like all the other spirit guides do. And he has those tiny wings. Wings. <laughs> I love it. It's so funny. But like most Pixar movies, this Pixar movie does a great job of balancing the humor in it, but then also the like real serious life lesson that comes along with it, which I really appreciate. Yeah, and, and for me... I I mentioned I saw this movie for the first time and I had heard really good things about it. And typically if I hear exclusively good things about a movie, I'm not going to trust that. But I mean, this movie has been out three and a half years. So if someone was going to not like it, they would have not liked it by now. Yes, that's, that's accurate. So having watched it, it's so, so good. And I remember, so what my what my Tuesday night movie crew has started doing, um, because you know there there are more new releases coming out that we don't necessarily care to go see, we've started watching like we'll we'll pick a movie, and we'll theme a menu based off of the movie. Oh, fantastic! So when we watched Coco, we had nachos and we had churros, and for for context, nice. we did this again. This would have been yesterday, um, and we watched Inside Out which is a movie that I hold very dear to my mental health heart. Um, And the menu was comfort food because mental health. Um, There you go. (laughs) So everybody brought their own comfort food and it was, it was just a really good emotional time. 
I feel like every Pixar movie has one moment that they build to and they build and they build and you cry. And it's it's in different places. In Up, it's at the very beginning. And in Coco, for me, it was at the end when he plays Remember Me to Mama Coco. Yes, from Mama Coco. Yes. And he plays the song and she remembers and everyone else remembers. And it's just this this emotional and also musical crescendo of how the movie has built to this point. And I'm not ashamed to say it, Jay. I cried. <laughs> those those tiny sobs that you do when you're watching a movie with your friends. You're just like, <sighs> <sighs> like you you know exactly you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then they're like, "Hey, are you enjoying the movie?" And you're like, "It's good. Yeah, it's, it's so good. It's good." <laughs> but it was yeah. This movie is so vibrant. It's so bright and colorful and again kind of like you you talked about earlier for the culture that i know it's not a bright and like the the concept of death and dead relatives and like ancestors like family ancestry is not a bright and colorful concept it's kind of a you know we remember how they were and we celebrate their impact on us but we don't necessarily keep that memory alive yeah and to have this glimpse into how another like the it's the the flip of a coin almost when it's two sides of the same thing they treat this same eventuality so differently right right and it's it's so cool to watch that yeah it is it's funny how this movie that takes place in the afterlife or this movie that features so many dead relatives is really a lesson about valuing your life, valuing, you know, living for today and, you know, just carrying on that memory of things that our family has done and to not be ashamed of our, I feel like it's ultimately the, the lesson here. I think that and I they think do that's a very beautiful job at describing all that. I, I think the thing I remember watching the early part of this movie when Miguel gets to the land of the dead and Imelda, his great, what is it, great great grandmother, she was like, "But you can never play music again." I looked at my friend who I was watching the movie with. I said, "She's the villain, isn't she?" She just kind of looked at me. She goes, "Watch the movie." because her spirit guide is this like massively intimidating like what what mythical creature is that actually you know i don't i don't know i guess it's it's almost like a griffin i think that's fair yeah like a winged jaguar but bigger yeah so it's just foreboding and intimidating and because she's the antagonist in that moment it sets up for oh okay this is clearly going to be him versus her. Ernesto is clearly his great-great-grandfather. There's not a twist that could happen until there is. I thought the twist was well done. It was well done. And and very unexpected as well. It was very abrupt, like a good twist should be. Like It was set up, but it was sudden. Yes. Yes, it was. You find out that 
Ernesto, Ernesto de la Cruz is a fraud. Is a f- fraud. Stole everything. Basically, stole the identity of Hector, and lived out this fake life. And all this time, the family was under the impression that Hector walked away from his family, when in reality, he was actually trying to get back to them when Ernesto killed him. So, At the, at the same time, can you imagine being full of such hubris that you not only murder someone in cold blood, but then... When you get to be this transcendent cultural phenomenon of a celebrity, you think to yourself, you know what I should do? I should make a movie about that time I murdered my best friend. Hmm. Yes. Because that's the only reason Miguel knew that he had that realization. Is because he was like, oh, you're talking about the plot of your famous movie where you killed your friend. And then Hector's like, I'm sorry, the famous movie where you what? Yep. So I think that's, of a very, very well-constructed movie, that's the weak link to me. And it's a very strong weak link because Ernesto's character is built up to have that level of pride. But I think genuinely, I think that might be my only complaint with the movie. Hmm. That end, I mean, what's its runtime? 105 minutes, so a shade under two hours. I could sit through more of that. I don't know that there's necessarily a way you could do a sequel because it is fairly self-contained. Yeah, no, definitely not. If they make a sequel of this, that they're just they're trying too hard. I think the only way you could do a sequel would be the classic Disney sequel where someone actually was Ernesto's great-great-grandson and they sought out Miguel for revenge. Gosh. That's the only way awful. they could. It'd be terrible. Yeah, it would. It would not be a good movie. But that screams... 90s Disney DVD sequel like straight to like this is on the shelf at Walmart it doesn't even sniff a theater that's what that is that's exactly what that is yep oh gosh (laughs) we should probably rate it because I don't really have anything negative to say about it I know you had you had a very mild criticism yeah yeah mild criticism but for me, like I, I don't honestly have any criticism with it at all. Um, so we could we could go ahead and, and jump to rating if you wanted to. Okay. Um, have we? Should we put it? Have we done a we, Pixar scale? We've done a Pixar scale before. I can't remember mine. Um. But there's definitely a lot of having having not seen every Pixar movie, and also disregarding every sequel that isn't Toy Story, my scale is going to be on a scale of Wally to up. And I am going to rate it probably right at actually a shade under onward. Onward, okay. Because to me, like up up is the S tier Pixar movie. It is the number one. And then you have Toy Story, Toy Story 2, Inside Out onward and then i think right there you have coco okay um i so my favorite pixar movie the one that i put at the top is actually monsters inc i like it a lot and so that's my number one my lowest is definitely the good dinosaur awful movie and so but i'm gonna put coco 
I'm honestly going to put it right below the original Toy mm-hmm. Story. That, so, that's high praise. Yeah, on a number scale, that would be an eight as far as ranking goes. I would say mine's probably eight, eight and a half. So, yeah, that's where I would put it. Monsters, Inc., number one. Toy Story, definitely number two. And then I would put Coco right there. Remember me. Don't you do it. And the soundtrack for this movie, too. That's another thing about this movie. It's got a great soundtrack. I wonder if the soundtrack... I bet it does. Oh, it doesn't. It just has a feature on the on the page. Remember Me won Best Original Song at the Oscars. Oh, there you that go. That is not a surprise. Not at all. Did um, You've Got a Friend in Me, did that win an Oscar? I'm opening that page up. I don't know that that was an original. I think that was an existing song. Oh, really? I thought it was. Oh, see, I didn't. I didn't know that. I could be wrong. I'm open to being wrong. It did not win. 1995. Do you want to know what beat it? it yes. It's another song that's gonna get stuck in your head. Is "Colors of the Wind" from Pocahontas? Oh, wow! So those came out in the same year. Apparently, that's funny. The Lion King had three songs nominated for best original song. Well, yeah, it's hilarious. They had a and they had a sixty percent chance of winning, and it, they won, right? Yes, they did. But which which song do you think won? I know it's not Hakuna Matata, but I really want it to be. It was nominated. I'm sure it was. It had. I, I, I'm guessing it's going to be the opening song. No, 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 no. It's uh, Elton John's. Um, he he sings them all. Feel 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 the love tonight. It is. Can that you one. feel the love tonight? One best original song in 1994. The only reason I assumed it was that one is because that's the one that probably played on the radio every five minutes that year. Can you oh. can you imagine how many people like went to the jukebox on their first date and they were like, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play this song no one else has played tonight. Can you feel the love tonight by Elton John? Can you imagine the, turns the summer of hear, that song? You you. They turn it on, and you hear every waitress in the restaurant goes, "Ah, not again!" <laughs> I can. I, I'm picturing that scene, and I love it. It's so, that's such a funny visual. Well, yeah, uh, Coco is. Um, it's a good summertime movie too. I feel, you know, it's. And I don't know why. I guess it's because you know we have Christmas movies, and so like sometimes I'll put different movies in like different categories, like different times of the year. Yeah. That it would be appropriate to watch this one, even though that holiday is actually in November. That movie, though, because of the colors and the brightness of it, it feels like a summertime movie. I I agree. But anyhow, I think it's definitely it's it's not tied to its holiday. Like, if you're someone who watches A Christmas Story or It's a Wonderful Life or Christmas Vacation, not in the month of December, I have questions. But if you're going to be like, hey, you know, let's let's watch Coco. They're like, wait, no, isn't this holiday in November? We can't watch this. He was like, yes, we can. I, it's, it's definitely not tied to the season. Although I do have I do have a question for you since you mentioned seasonal movies. Yes. Is Nightmare Before Christmas a Halloween movie? A Christmas movie or both? I'm bringing it back. We've we have talked about I this know. before, and but I ask everyone. It, and it is a Halloween movie. It is not a Christmas movie. It is not an in between movie. It is a Halloween movie because 
For the majority of the movie, it's Halloween. And so because of that, I consider it a Halloween movie. Okay. Strictly a Halloween movie. Okay. And I know you feel different. Not strongly enough that I want to argue about it. That's It's one of those, like, if that's how you are, that's how you are. Right. It's not like, you know, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. I don't care what yes. Bruce Willis says. <laughs> it takes place... At a Christmas party, it is a Christmas movie. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Take that, Bruce Willis. Doesn't think Die Hard's a... Well, I've already told you how to get in touch with us. So that is, if you have uh, a different opinion on the movie, uh, please let us know what you think. Um, if you have any favorite parts or scenes or anything that made you laugh, please let us know. Uh, email us. Don't call us. And, um, <laughs> it, you know, uh, we, we'd like to hear what you think. Maybe you put it in a different place. Maybe you think it's one of the worst Pixar movies. And with that, I would tell you you're wrong because you clearly haven't seen The Good Dinosaur, or, if that's or the case. Or Cars 2. Or, no, Cars 3. I haven't seen Cars 3. I can't judge it. It's like, why bother? I don't know. Yeah. So, anyway, that's just, that's our thoughts on it. But what are yours? Get in touch with us. Let us know. If you have a suggestion, uh, something that you want to hear us talk about please let us know have people that write us in i'll have a lot of questions for us and actually i've got i'm pulling it up john yes what superhero abilities would be the best to give your pet oh lord um that is a question from one of our that's listeners. That's a brilliant question that I've never thought of. Uh, I don't need super speed because he already zooms real good. Um, for context, I'm talking about my dog Champ, who I love. Um, we have we have two miniature schnauzers. We have Champ and we have Parker. And if the blob from X-Men was a miniature schnauzer, it would be Parker. Um, and if the Flash was a miniature schnauzer, it would be Champ. So he already has that, and he doesn't really need, he doesn't need super speed. Um, I don't know if it would be a superpower as much as, like, getting him to say, then I knew that, would be really entertaining. So, like, if he knocks stuff over or gets into the pantry, and he's just like, oops. So I guess if, if I could give him a power of, like, superhuman self-awareness. So our, my pet is a cat. His name is Bailey. He actually, in the first season, was featured regularly on the show. He'd walk into the room. He would walk into the room, and there was one one show in particular where I picked him up, and I said, do you want to say something? And I held him up to the microphone, and he actually meowed into the microphone, and so... I kept putting his little that meow at the end of each episode oh, no. just because that mean I thought that that means we need to give him royalties. I know, Damn right? It. But he is um not the brightest, but he's also he's a cat. So naturally he has he's evil. So he would probably be a super villain and a power that I don't know if I want him to have any powers, but I guess if he had a power it would probably be... I feel like it'd be really funny to give a cat um, heat vision because cats and laser pointers. So he would use the heat vision but then start chasing it and he would never catch it because obviously it's coming from his own eyes. Yeah, that would be hilarious. <laughs> so maybe maybe I could give him the power of just having not heat vision but just La laser, like vision. laser pointer eyes. Yeah. 
there's there's a reason Superman has a dog and not a cat. I'm just going to throw that out there. That's totally what he should have is laser pointer eyes. That was a that was a fun question. And John's face is a slice of pizza. I have the pizza face effect on my on my video chat. Well, yes. So that was a great question. Thank you. So you can uh, mail us in uh, your own questions. Email us. Send us a message on Facebook. Uh, send us a message on Instagram. You can do that too. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. But, uh, oh my gosh, you look like an anime I have anime hair. This is so much fun. Jay, why did they do this? Well, that is... Terrifying. You look ridiculous. (laughs) Because it's it's not just hair either. They gave me those, like, big ol' anime eyes. I look embarrassed and cross-eyed at the same time. This is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is great. Well... That is the show. Thank you for joining us. And um, we will be back with you in two weeks. So until then, nerd out. Thank you for listening to another episode of They Didn't Ask Us. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, we would love to hear from you. You can reach the show by email at they didn't ask us at gmail.com. Whether you just discovered our podcast or have been a long-time listener, if you enjoy what we are doing, please take a moment after the show, give us a review, and also give us a rating. Tune in next time to hear more random nerdy thoughts and opinions from your new favorite podcast.